This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Renegade Report. I'm Jonathan. And Roman is present. Sorry, and I'm playing on my mic. Jeez, that was terrible. Nevertheless, uh, Jonathan, it's the 14th of August, uh, 6 p.m. I'm missing Game of Thrones. To oh, do you this. Tragic, tragic indeed. Our listeners should um, be. I've missed Game of Thrones every single week since it started, and I'm perfectly fine. No wonder you're a heathen. No wonder no one likes you. <laughs> Game of Thrones is actually not too bad. I'm not a fanboy, but it's quite entertaining. Yeah, what's this Ozark story? Everyone's like going nuts about Ozark. What is it about? Oh, Ozark. It's a guy who's uh, laundering money for the mob. It's a, a series on Netflix, and then they they force him to launder eight million dollars, but in like this shitty little town in the Ozarks in Massachusetts. I don't know. So he's trying to find businesses to invest in, and like there's local gangs there, and it's really interesting. I like it. It's Breaking Bad meets The Accountant. All right, I'll, I'll give it a try. Mm. I, I need to need to watch some some good television. Um, just off the television side of things, uh, Jacob Zumas claims that he's been poisoned three times uh, and hasn't died. Scientists, he says, um, don't know how he's managed to survive. Um, I have very um, made it very clear that you know cockroaches survive anything. But um, ooh, South African Human Rights Commission, here we come. Yeah, if, if I go down with you, you paying part of my fine, my friend. <laughs> I'm not paying shit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, very interesting that uh, somebody's trying to kill him uh, and can't get it right. I mean, but it was his wife. Really? I mean, she can't, she can't make a good decision in who she marries. How can she make a good decision in who she kills or how Ouch. she kills? Oh, you're going to the Human Rights Commission <laughs> for that. Damn, that's, that's, just, that's just hatred against women okay, right there. Okay, now we can share the fines if, fine, if they're equal. Fine. All right. So, uh, we're going to do a solo show. There is no guest in studio. We are the guests. Uh, yeah, I mean, we try to do this every now and again because people love the sound of our voices and uh, and it's an opportunity to answer questions from our listeners. Yeah, and discuss stuff you find interesting. So we asked a, a bunch of you on our Facebook group. If you haven't joined that yet, Renegade Report group. Right. It's um, not the page. There's a, a separate group yeah, to there, the page. There's a page we want you to like, but uh, we also would like you to join the group. We'd also like you to go on iTunes if you use it and leave a review. And if you've got the money spare, we'd really appreciate it if you would go on to Patreon, uh, search for the show, and consider giving us a few dollars every month. And if you can't give us every month, when you can, it really helps us. Yeah, you can cancel um, at any time too. We're using it to to build audience as best we can. We're using it to start running events, uh, Franz Cronier event coming up this week. Indeed, it will happen on Thursday this week. Um, well, by the time this comes out, entries are closed, but we've got close to 35 people joining us. And we're looking to do that more often. So your support really helps us to do this. And a reminder, we're both sitting here this evening uh, for uh, free of charge. Uh, and uh, we hope you enjoy it, but we would really appreciate your support to expand this show and the battle of ideas. Right. And it's not about the podcast itself. Okay. It is about the podcast itself, but it's not about us making money. We don't make money. We don't want to make money from this, at least for the moment. Well, I mean, if we Sam Harris pick, I'm, I'm taking it. I'll take it too. Don't worry. But actually, <laughs> funny enough, a lot of people do listen to us who are, who appear to be fairly influential. I received little birds telling me who actually listens to us. And, um, yeah, we, these are people who have some influence, so maybe we can 
not create a narrative of sorts, but get some new ideas into the, the public space. Hmm. All right. Well, let's, let's get straight into it. Uh, we're going to start with one of our Facebook questions from David. Uh, he wanted to know, we asked for these questions before the no confidence vote. So some of these are a little bit dated, but I think we can still discuss this. He said the outcome of the no confidence vote is of no consequence. We agree. Uh, and he, it does not change the party in power and the party in power remain there despite all the yapping by the DA. Yes or no discuss. So yes, David, of course. Uh, well, yes. Neither of us thought that was going to work. No, no. My favorite part was like, ooh, Zuma must be very shaken now that some people have gone against him. It's like going to someone and saying, you received 80%. You should be really disappointed. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you have kids and they do get 80%, your first question should be, where's the other 20%? Well, only if you're Chinese. I mean, <laughs> if, you, if you're if you an Arab like me, you're like, wow. It's the second Human Rights Commission <laughs> thing you, you've said. Right. So, but more interesting, uh, look, I... I, I've said very clearly that I think this was Jacob Zuma cementing his power for the uh, conference at the end of the year. Yeah. If you don't believe that, you need to listen to the show we did with Franz. If you're not coming to the event, he makes it quite clear about what's likely to go down at the end of the year. But you um, are quite suspicious of people even standing against Zuma. Well, yes. I made, I made the analogy on Twitter. If Al Capone's lieutenant turns around after – being his lieutenant for 20 years and saying, oh, Al Capone's a, a, a disaster, a greedy man and evil. Mm. I disown him, but I want to still be in the mafia. You won't be like, okay, dude, you're a hero. No, you won't. You'll be like, okay, you're a lieutenant who's lost favor and now you're trying to get away out of it. So, like, for example, my cause causa, I don't doubt her. Maybe I do doubt her sincerity, but I don't doubt her bravery. Getting out of the mafia cult is, is quite a difficult task. Mm. I get it. But she wishes to remain within it. Yeah. Well, I, I think a lot of the people there, whether they're supportive of Zuma or not, want to remain in it because it's, well, it's a cash cow. Well, all that too, but it's like Praveen, right? Like Russell, when was the last week or the week before, made a very interesting point. The Mandela and Becky era was like a cooling off period for the ANC. They won power. Mm. And they were like, oh, shit, what do we do now? Let's do, like, nothing. Oh, yeah, and let's, uh, we're going to reconcile and see how we can influence the right. game. Well, they're going to reconcile. They're going to still have the state-owned enterprises from which they take money from. And they're still going to have uh, catered deployment and all that. But in terms of, like, policy, it was very, like, hands-off policy, actually, mm. other than the BE stuff and labor laws. But then, like, we did really, really well when they were hands-off. Yeah. Well, and that was the only time. Sorry, that was the only time in the ANC period where there was really like no real plan. Yeah, agreed. And well, one of the one of the scenarios is that the government basically fails, and with when the government fails, we actually do better. Right. So when Pravina and Makosi Kosi says we want the ANC of old, what are they referring to? Are they referring to like the commies from the eighties that killed Zulu nationalists? Are they referring to, um, you know? ANC from the 70s that was like really out in the sticks in the middle of Zambia raping each other in their military camps. Like mm. what, what ANC is there to save? The ANC was never like this vessel of fortitude and honor. It was always like this bit of a decrepit pseudo commie liberation movement that like fucked each other far more than anyone else in a good way. <laughs> and so like what, what honor is there to salvage? Why, why try to save something that's not worth saving in my opinion? So I don't trust Makosi Kosa for that reason. 
Yeah, and I, I'm with you on this, I, and I don't trust any of the others either. The truth is I think they all have agendas, and they're all in it for you know, their, their particular reasons. Uh, if you believe politicians really care about you, you probably haven't been listening to the show enough. Yeah, you're probably a voter. Um, oh, wait. Let, let's stick with politics. <laughs> let's stick with politics. Uh, Michael asked, do you think Herman Mashaba would be a better DA presidential candidate in 2019 than Musi? I think, I think, I actually tweeted this today. Herman, as based on the Twitter account, his own, and the responses, he is killing it as the mayor. He is like everywhere. So, so Solly in, in Pretoria as well, Trani. When you, I don't know, he makes it, I don't follow Solly as much. But well, well, he seems to be doing good work as well. I have to give him, give him credit. Right. But, but Herman, <clears throat> excuse me, I think Herman will be the perfect candidate to take over from Musi. I think Musi's failed as a leader. He's not, he's not a liberal in, in the sense we can argue the DA was liberal or not, but he hasn't grown the black vote in any meaningful way. Look, I, I think that, and I'm not sure, I think it might have been the ANC who, who compared Musi to, uh, trying to emulate Barack Obama. Uh, but he is basically that character. He goes to a room and he, he talks to the room, telling the room what the room wants to hear so that in return he gets applause for what he says. Um, in some ways, he does like what Julius does. Well, to be fair, um, that sounds like politics to me. That's, mm, that's, that's a given, right? Well, yes and no. So, uh, you know, Herman, for example, has been criticized for not being principled enough in that he's a libertarian and he hasn't stuck to his libertarian principles. And many have said, look, it's difficult to completely stick to what are very hard and fast principles uh, and be in the position he's in. Right. But I agree, he hasn't stuck to those libertarian sure. principles. But he's far more principled. You can, you can tell he will he will stand up to certain things. And I'm not sure what where where it starts and ends for Musi, um, because right. I don't know what his principles are and aren't. Uh, I do know that he 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 worries me a bit in that whenever he leans back on what looks like principle, it looks like uh, religion, essentially. And he 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 leans he leans into his religion as as a crutch. And I worry about that because I do believe in separation of, of uh, church and state. Um, and I'm not actually sure where he stands on any principles. Well, I mean, I don't know if he has any in, in, in this regard. I just don't know what his hard and fast values are. I don't think he's ever expressed them. He talks a lot about other people. He talks for the 8 million unemployed and he talks for the whatever, the woman, and he talks on behalf of all South Africans who didn't vote for him. That Zoom is bad and, but there's nothing, there's nothing there. There's nothing solid in the middle in Musi. So I think he hasn't been a great leader for the DA. Um, I think Herman will be far better or even Solly will be far better. I don't know. All right. Let's, uh, let's, let's move on. We'll stick, we'll stick with uh, a bit of politics. Uh, someone wanted to know if South Africa would be more successful if it was broken into sort of a confederation uh, Undoubtedly. Of, of ethno states. Undoubtedly. Well, okay, I don't know about the ethno states, <laughs> but uh, I anything that devolves power to the local level has my vote immediately. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. You see, I don't know if you have to break South Africa up as a country. I, I, I'm not convinced that needs to be done, but I think you need to federalize things. So you need to... I think you need to break it down. Uh, well, all right. Then we can d- agree to disagree on that. Uh, as much as I don't, I don't like that, that term uh, or that phrase. Uh, I just think you, we should be giving more power to each individual state and, and or province. Um, 
And beyond that, we should be looking at giving more power to cities. Uh, and maybe beyond that, we should be looking at giving more power to areas or suburbs. Yeah, or provinces. Um, Just start you with know, the province. Yeah. We, we've, we've touted this, the Swiss model uh, repeatedly on this show. And I, I don't see why it wouldn't work. The reality is that I think we lose a lot of, we lose a lot of these problems we have in South Africa where people are tribalistic and uh, are constantly feel like they have to fight against the other tribe. Right. Um, if you just gave them their own stuff to manage and they didn't feel like they were in a fight for resources across this giant no, expense. But the big problem with that, Jonathan, is that some people are racist and they just want to exclude the rest of us from visiting their Danefern houses. And that is a much bigger problem than the rape epidemic or the fact that SAPS is non-existent or the fact that healthcare system is falling apart there's no oncologist in KZN that's important but what's more important is that Oranya exists and that's a blight on this rainbow nation now I'm not Eusebius so going on from that um, I think maybe not ethno states as such but I, I don't think a very strong government is needed in South Africa at all for us to be better uh, if your taxes are used within a certain geographical area around you if your political appointees live in the same area as you and you know exactly where they live, you can just go and burn their house down where they fuck up, right? That would not be a good idea. Sometimes it would be. No, no I'm, not advo- I'm not advocating for violence. <laughs> uh, the ANC do it to themselves, though. I mean, yeah. come on. Uh, look, I, I think I think without the violence part, the truth is, is that if you know that your neighbor if you are the representative and you know that your neighbor knows you're the representative and you keep screwing your neighbor over, um, there is a, a form of peer pressure that, that, that is exerted there. Whereas currently I have – I don't know who represents me in parliament. I have no idea. Yeah, and, well, we've got a party, a, party list, a party system as opposed to yeah, a constituency And I, I can almost system. guarantee that even if I went and found them, they, they probably don't really represent me. And if I wanted to change that, it would be very, very difficult. But you had a long Facebook post about your local ward councillor being a bit of a doer. Yes, my local ward councillor is a doer. Right. Um, <laughs> and he's from the DA um, or something. Yes, he, I think. He, is, he is from the DA. I have no idea um, who my ward councillor is. Because I'm white and I live in a white area. Um, <laughs> not so much, but uh, – but yeah, he he's he's been not not very helpful. Just on that point, you you made um, someone uh, mentioned one of our pat- uh, our patrons on on Patreon uh, was mentioning about Arania, and we should pay attention to the OSK Co-op Bank when we go there. Apparently, uh, apparently he, he thinks it's a big part of their success, so we will look into that. Right. I mean, we have. I think we maybe we said so before. We, we we've been invited to Arania about six months ago. We, we will go. And we will go just to find the time. And it's fucking far. It's like seven hours away. Yeah. But so we will try to do it sometime this year or early, early next year. Early next year. Yeah. We, 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 we really are interested in, in doing that and, and going around and having a bit of a look at that. All right. Uh, let's move away from politics for a bit. Uh, we've got a couple of questions about – you want to get into the podcast? Do you want to get into economics? What do you want to do? Whichever one. All right, so from Russ, has doing the show caused you to become more or less classically liberal? Probably less liberal, far more alt-right. <laughs> you really do want to push buttons today. Blood and soil, man, <laughs> whatever that means. Well, fine. Okay, you can be alt-right. No, um, I'm, more, I'm more individualist than ever before. Yeah. Um, I, I was extremely… Which, which would make you more classically liberal. 
or anarchist. I mean, I've always been an anarchist, but sometimes, you know, when you don't have any anarchist friends or you don't have people around you, like, give a shit. Yeah. And, like, you just lose it. You're just like, okay, cool, whatever. You still have these principles, but there's no one to talk about, uh, yeah. talk to about them. And then you come on the show and then you got, like, real anarchists or a real economist or real political people. And you're like, okay, cool. I can, I can verify my claims against these claims and, and see which is better. Yeah. So it's actually made me more steadfast in my beliefs. It's made me, yeah, more classically liberal in an anarchist sense. Okay. Well, I, I'm certainly def, definitely become more classically liberal. Yeah, you were neocon. Um, man. Uh, neocon. I'm, I'm still a bit neoconish in some bomb, in some respects. Democracy everywhere. Um, um, yeah, you, you you can in some respects. I've, I've explained how you could do that, uh, but I, I have definitely become more classically liberal. I think I've also become in some ways more conservative. Uh, and I say that in a positive sense. Uh, the first podcast we did with France, he was very clear about how conservative conservatism is not a dirty word. Um, and in, in, well, sure, but it's been portrayed in that, in that way. Uh, so I, I think I've, I've become more classically liberal. Certainly I've got a much better understanding. So all of the guests we've had on all of the people, I, I learn from all of them, whether they agree with us, whether they don't agree with us, uh, you know, Except Chelsea. Well, yes, but, but Chelsea was a great way to kind of just let off some steam no, against I, I love the interview and I think she's awesome, but I learned absolutely fuck all <laughs> in that, in that podcast. You didn't learn anything. No. I see. I did learn. I, I learned well, how, I, how easy it is to manipulate people with the idea of things like socialism and communism because, oh, because, because the thing is, is she's bought the idea that be, being socialist is just being nice to people. Right. right. It's about caring. And it is something you can easily sell to a teenager. Uh, and that's, she described it on that show. She said, you know, uh, it's about being nice to people, about caring about people and about everyone having enough. And, you know, it's this very naive view of the world. And, you know, she had a Che Guevara poster on her wall, you know, that rapist. She had a Che Guevara poster on her wall, um, you know, when she was a, a teenager. Um, and, and so uh, that's what I learned off that show. And, and right. everyone, I've, I've really learned a fortune off. Uh, Jordan Peterson, as an example, was mind-blowing. Sure. Uh, and obviously all his stuff is, is relatively mind-blowing. Uh, but all of these people have really informed and given more structure to my classically liberal views of the world. Um, so that I actually know the history and the background. Right. So it has enhanced them. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh how can we improve our strategy in the battle of ideas and what's going well or working and what isn't? I have an inkling that we are winning slightly and only for the fact that Varashni called us ultra on Twitter and then deleted it. And then, yeah, but every single response told her that she was wrong. Every single response, not one. She got two retweets by randoms. Yeah. And every single response was completely negative. I think if we are very, how can I explain? We need to be quite sure about what we say. Not be hyperbolic. Try and make sense of the situation. Try infuse freedom and liberalism into each argument. And, and I think Russ's point was great where if, if your friend believes in the drug war, for example, you say, all right, friend, will you Literally come pick me up in my house and throw me in, into a rape prison because I smoke weed twice a week. Will you do that? Let people question their own motives. 
I think that's quite helpful. Yeah, I, that that is. I, I agreed with that that strategy. I think it can be helpful. And in fact, there was a bit of a Twitter exchange after that show uh, in which Russ and one of our listeners discussed with each other, and it came down to one of those examples, uh, which which was interesting to see. But given what's going on now, so we get called alt right. Uh, everyone says, "Well, that's clearly bullshit." But we've now, this past weekend in the U.S., we, we might as well talk about it. It's quite topical. Uh, you had this Charlottesville um, story, which if you're not aware, you clearly aren't on any media and not watching CNN. Um, basically, the alt-right, legitimately the alt-right in America, um, went and had a march. And uh, they all rocked up looking like morons. Uh, it was called Unite the Unite Right. Unite the Right, yeah. So, so they're very cross because statues are being removed uh, of sort of uh, these southerners that fought as in the Confederate States uh, against what was the United States. Um, and these statues are starting to get removed, not because there's any denial in that history, but there's a, uh, this thing of, well, they're race, they were racists and bigots and homophobes and, you know, the, the typical words used by the left. So they must go. We must erase them from, from prominence. Uh, so they're very cross about that. Uh, but these people are, they, they are legitimately neo-Nazis. Uh, they, well, they, they, were, well, they were actual Nazi flags. Yes. They, they're rally. carrying Nazi flags. They are shouting Nazi things. Uh, they are wearing T-shirts with Hitler quotes from Hitler on them. They are the white people that Eusebius wants to exist. Yes. Uh, so, so there's no denying. So these Nazis rock up and they have a march, and then the left rocks up in the guise of Antifa. Um, and pretty much what you've got is there is the alt left and the alt right, um, and that doesn't end well. Yeah, is that is that a fair description? Yeah, it's just identity politics through different axioms meeting and hitting each other over the head. Like I don't know, I I wish, as I said on 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 Twitter, if the ground swallowed up all of these people whole, like yeah, the world would be a better place. Yeah, absolutely. That, that said, um, look, my my sense of it is that there's far less of the Nazis than there are of the Antifa people or the people who support Antifa. And what worries me more is even if those numbers are equal is the mainstream response to this. So for example, Donald Trump goes and says, uh, you know, the, the, the violence is unacceptable. He condemns all sides and everyone loses their minds because he says all sides instead of citing the Nazis. Okay, a fair, fair argument. Maybe he should sure. have said he should have said white supremacists are disgusting and unacceptable. Uh, but in the same statement, I think he should have also turned around and said uh, left-wing communists uh, who who want to, you know, be violent on our university campuses as they have been in cities as they have been and at this march are just as despicable. Um, so my concern is is that. Everyone reacts. There's maybe a few hundred people on either side. Uh, but what all you hear is about the Nazis. And the justification for that is, well, Nazis are way worse than anyone else. Sure. And that just worries me. Because if you start reading into history, it's very hard to, to decide who is the worst genocidal maniac. Right. I mean, it depends. I do think, however, here's, here's a caveat. Hmm. Um, Nazism was only tried once. 
Yes. And it was awful. And, 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 you know, destructive yes. and killed millions. And, 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 and then to, to destroy it, it was the entire world went to war against it. Right. And it was eventually, thank goodness, pummeled into the ground. Right. But, but the point being, there was only one instance of Nazism and it was terrible. There's been many iterations of communism. Yes. Right. Stalinism is the worst or maybe Mao. Mao's Mao is probably worse. Maoism and Stalinism are the worst kind. But then you got Cuba. Okay, I wouldn't want to live there, but it's not as bad as North Korea. But it's not as bad as Nazism, right? Sure. Um, North Korea. It was terrible in the early nineties. Today, okay, yeah, no one's like dying of hunger anymore. No, not as bad as Hitler's Germany. But not as bad as Hitler's Germany or Stalin. So, I mean, that's. I think that is. I don't think this is argument made by CNN and and the mainstream media mm. as such. But if you had to say not which one is worse, I would say, well, Nazism because it's only been tried once and it was. Utterly destroyed and no one tried it again. Whereas communism, you can make the argument that there's different iterations of it around the world. Some better than others. All fairly awful, but obviously you can. Some not as deadly as others. Right. The the problem is you never know which one you're going to get. Indeed. Well, I mean, bit of a lucky packet. Can we just say both these people are Marxist ideology? Can we just say both anyone who wants to force others to believe something or not to believe something is like just an asshole? Like, can we just say? Both these people should just fight each other and kill each other off. Well, that's what we have been saying. These well, are these saying. are these are collectives, right? Right. These are people who want to be viewed as whites and as having white power, and their, their white identity defines them. Interesting fact about yeah. the Nazi march, if I may. Yeah. Um, most of those people marching were upper class white men with college um, degrees. Did you know that? Where do you get the data from? from uh, J.D. Vance, the yeah. guy who wrote Hillbilly Energy, was had a the 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 people who organized it all yes. have tertiary education. Some one oh, was okay. from like right. Harvard, yeah, like really like up upper upper class. Uh, interesting, not like what your yokels. What, what do you make of the argument that says, well, because um, we believe individuals act of their own free will, right? You 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 don't have to yeah, follow follow. Any ideology, you choose, you make decisions as an individual. So what do you buy of the, the argument that, uh, the sort of left wing identity politics caused the Nazis? Because mm. I find, I find it a bit tenuous, uh, so, at so best. Do, so do I. It's like, it's weird. So like the Yazidis mm-hmm. persecuted by ISIS, the Kurds persecuted by Turkey. And ISIS. And ISIS and a few others. There was no like huge, like great uprising of like Kurdish pride or, or anything to that effect. Um, I, I find that link tenuous. I don't think it's necessarily true. I do think this obsession with whiteness and abolishing whiteness in this and the Google memo and that sort of stuff, I think it, it can contribute, but I don't. I don't want to say these Nazis are like some oppressed group. Yeah, I mean, they're not just expressing. So, their, so what, what are the one of the arguments being used? For example, is that you know often people will go, well, United States foreign policy has caused Muslims to become violent and blow people up in right. in restaurants, uh, and people go, no, that's not how it works because an individual still has to decide to do that. And the one difference though is 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 you need to understand the contributing ideology. So. In the case of uh, Islamic extremism, they've got sacred texts that say, do this, do that, and this makes you a good person. 
Um, but I do think that the leaders of these organizations who you've just described as very educated people, uh, certainly not, not fools, uh, although they may be heinous human beings. No, but most, um, most, with respect, most mm. heinous human beings are the educated. Yeah. If, if oh, you look correct. through history, well, yeah, anyway. All right. Fair enough. The, 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 the thing is, is, is they will use the fact that, you know, the mainstream media constantly has shows about whiteness for example and they'll use that as a look you're being discriminated against and you're being and i suppose for someone sitting on the fence that might be convincing uh but i think it's more complicated than just saying well you know the 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 rhetoric has caused people to become violent nazis but especially in a place like america i mean come on guys i mean 80 percent why no one's persecuted in america well not no, no one is persecuted in America. Like, I would argue some, some. What's well, like black illegal immigrants? Are. Okay, okay, well, drug users are. Um, but, but yeah, but I mean, in America, to think that you're oppressed as, and I hate to use that in politics because it's really stupid, but like, as a, as a white man, to feel that you're oppressed is a bit strange. I do think there are uh, confounding factors. I think like the coal miners and all that. They're not like, you know, they lost their jobs or the mines are closed down. They're not going in the street and rioting or, or going for coal pride parades or whatever the case might be. So I don't buy that. I think these are just two sick ideologies meeting and it's just unfortunate that more people didn't die. <laughs> Jeez, like, wow. All right. Uh, you say you want to be measured. That's <laughs> well, I wish more Nazis and I wish more like Antifa people would just like literally kill each other off. I think it'd be great. Yeah, I, 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 I wish we could do it without uh, without killing people. I think that would be first prize. Well, I'm not doing the killing; they're killing each other for stupid ideas. Great. Yeah, the, you know the problem is, is as you can see, when one, for example, tries to kill another, um, the the result is not what you want it to be. It not just course. inflames, it, it just adds fuel to the fire. So we have this guy who rams his car into all these people. Right. Uh, he's from the Nazi side of things. And he rammed the car into Antifa people. Uh, you know, the well, apparently the lady the he killed was a normal protester, not an Antifa person. But anyway, I was joking, by the way. I don't want no, anyone killed. Sure. But for those who want to take me to the Human Rights Commission. Uh, but no, I, I just wish that there were... I wish these... It's like... It's like a fraction of a fraction of a percentage of these people who exist. And like, we give so much mm. of a shit about them. Yeah. So, so what do you think would happen if no, like no one showed up? If like no one cared, like if we just ignored them? Well, we know what would happen. You, it'd be like Eusebius show when no one listens, right? <laughs> we talk Perfect. about it a lot. Huh? Perfect. So, so, um, what does this got to do with strategy? What do you mean about strategy? Yeah. Like what, how are we going to, the question was, how can we better strategize to get, our message across. I don't know. We got we we got we got off track, but uh, that's what the show's about. So, one question from Yaku: He wants to know, do you guys think kids are growing up today more racist than before? More racist? I, than I think the opposite. Actually, yeah, I would think so too. I think I think in every aspect, uh, kids are probably growing up uh, more open-minded uh, and less bigoted, probably. Mate, on average, kids, kids don't have genders anymore. Why would they be racist? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, I just, I just think the world is in general a less 
sort of bigoted place. Yeah, that's horrible place. I actually, you know, don't buy into what you read on Twitter, for example. We've said this many times. It's not the real world, and, and, and there's a lot of craziness on there. But people are generally quite friendly and nice to each other in real life. Uh, people get on with their lives and, and what they need to do uh, for own, their own selfish reasons. But but there's not a lot of hatred out there. Uh, I think in, in the South African context, you know, the so-called Rainbow Nation sort of project is is – Pretty successful in many respects. Kids do mix a lot together. I, I know in, in my circles at least there's, there's no sort of, sort of separation at least. Uh, it's, yeah. it, it's just a group of people. I mean, it, it, it has reached a point where I wish I married a black woman. So people was like, are you such a racist romantic? No, bitch. Here's my wife. She's black. Like if my daughter brings home a black boyfriend, okay, she's very young, not yet. Yes. But like it wouldn't be an it. Like no one in my family or no one care. in my circle of friends would be like, ooh, yeah, shock horror. No. Yeah. We've we've moved a hell of a lot forward in twenty years, and people don't understand that. Well, people underestimate that. Uh, right. You, you, we've got, and the data shows us this, and and people still want to deny the data. They still want to believe that it's. You know, worse, and we all hate each other and want to kill yeah, each other. And it's the woke crowd and the and the right and the conservative crowd too that believe the same thing. Yeah. So, so continuing on the racism, Paul Lewis asked if um, is there a difference between preference and racism? And I think there was another question about um, is it okay to discriminate? So we can talk about those those two it's, things. It's absolutely okay to discriminate. I mean, I prefer Burger King to McDonald's, so I discriminate against McDonald's all the time by not eating there. Yeah. Right. And I'm personally, I'm Steers. I'm quite a Steers fan. Yeah. So, so that's complete discrimination against both of your choices. Right. Uh, no, discrimination is absolutely fine. I think there is. I'm not a scientist, but there was in-group preferences where we, 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 from an evidentiary standpoint, we trust people that look like us. I yeah. think it's those, uh, so those tests they do where they, uh, I forget the name exactly right now, but they'll flash people's pictures on the screen. Right. For like a, uh, second. a, a, like a few seconds and you've got to very quickly choose good or bad or, you know, scared or, or comfortable or something, a descriptor. And essentially they can show that white people are racist to black people and black people are racist to white people. And all those tests have been proven to be absolute bullshit because it's not about, it's not about that you're racist. Right. It's, it's just that people pick their brains, pick what they are more used to. Um, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily prejudiced against those people. So right. a lot of people have tried to use those tests to show that there's racism. There's just you, it's genetic almost. Right. Racism is genetic when in fact it doesn't show racism. Yeah. Um, it 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 shows that you will generally pick what you know, but well, you may. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean that you have any hatred towards what you don't know. Oh sure. I mean, but it, but it makes sense in an evolutionary. Um, scale because your tribe was the most important thing to you. You grew up for thousands of years living with your tribe and anyone who wasn't your tribe was an enemy who would, you know, kill you or whatever the case might be. So uh, what is the question? Okay, discrimination, we so, get it. Well, so I think discrimination is perfectly fine uh, right. in the sense of you know, if you discriminate, your entire life is discrimination between certain things. Right. I mean, personally, I think you should be able to fire anyone from a job for any single thing. Especially, for example, if your employee loves like fat women or fat men. Yeah. And well, I find what about, that what about disgusting. So I think this is where discrimination crosses over into prejudice. So when you start discriminating based on, say, race, right, then that becomes prejudicial potentially. Why? 
well, if you say I won't hire white people, for example, cool. to do a job. So, yes, we would agree that private individuals should be able to hire whoever they like, but that is prejudicial. For example, the yep. the, the, the organization that uh, – the party venue that won't have uh, gay weddings sure. uh, should be allowed to do it, but they're still – Prejudicial. No, but calling them out as prejudicial is just dumb. Like we're just adding like this middle class morality to it. It's very simple. People don't need to accept any business from people they don't want to accept business from, or vice versa. If I go to a fucking but can you make a moral judgment of that? So can you say, well, that's wrong. That, yeah. They should be allowed to do it, but it's wrong. Oh, By sure. our standards, it's wrong. By our standards, but it, it's a sort of like this middle class morality as well. Like if you're against gay marriage. It's like a huge issue. There are very good arguments against gay marriage, mm. namely that you don't like gay divorce. <laughs> okay. That's right. one good argument. <laughs> Not really. But there's very good arguments against all these things. And if someone says, honestly, listen, I'm a Christian. I don't want a gay winning in my venue. I'll be like, okay, I'm not gay. but Or even better, there's a wedding venue owned by a black person or an Indian person, and they hate white people. Yeah. And I write them an email, hey, I want to be married at your venue. They're like, sorry, no no honkies allowed. I'll be like, oh, fuck. Okay, cool. Next one. But I won't like think this is like a huge mortal sin, you know, being imposed on my soul as a person. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, it's interesting it's as well. property. They're allowed to do as they want. Like, I won't accept people in my house who use the K word. Yes. But I want people, I won't accept people in my house who have shaved blue underarm hair or whatever. Very simple. Unshaved. Yeah, unshaved. Yeah. yeah. All right. So mm, discrimination is kind of just it happens and accept it. Is that the answer to the question? Well, yeah. <laughs> human beings are. If you want to look for this perfect human being that you know accepts everyone, no, it's bullshit. We are. We are tribal creatures. Yeah. Uh, look, we trust those who are close to us, and we distrust those who are not close to us. It doesn't mean that uh, this can't be uh, overcome, and it has been overcome very easily. But if someone does not want to give a service to you, it's it's ridiculous to expect them to do so. Yeah, I, I think I think if you believe in freedom, then you have to allow for discrimination. No, most people don't believe in freedom. It's not about freedom. It's about not wanting to provide your service. There are other service providers in the whole country, you know, in the entire... No, no, but if you community. if you think people should be free, then people are free to make the choices they want. And oh, if right. those choices offend you, that's your problem, not theirs. Right. Look, I think Google is was absolutely fine in firing that guy who wrote the memo. I think it's completely legitimate. Okay. Not not because Google, Google is like this freedom-loving organization. Yeah. But it's their right as an employer. I agree with you. I agree with you. And if Google wants to be a left uh, progressive think tank, essentially, of a tech no, company. Listen, if, if I had a company and some sh- IT schmuck engineer put out this fucking manifesto that called me a cunt for not doing you know things correctly, as a, I'll be like, you yeah, know, get out of here. Sure. Sure, I think the but the criticism around Google isn't that the necessarily that they're fired. Oh, yeah, they say one thing and do the, another. You know, the cool. criticism is that they, you know, they're pretending to be something that they aren't, and and they sure. should just come out and go, look, we love Hillary, we love Bernie, 
slowly we're going to progress uh, America into, you know, communist China. And uh, that's what we really want to do. I, you know, I, I suppose if they let it out of the bag, then it'd be difficult to but do. The worst thing about all the, okay, Google's been criticized for their anti, for, for their diversity or anti-diversity or whatever, right? There's more white people in there than any other group. They spent a quarter of a billion dollars in four years on diversity training. <laughs> Did nothing. There has, it's, no, well, I would not use Google because they're using pseudoscience called diversity training. There is no proof that it works. There is proof that it, it creates more intolerance because you actually yeah you highlight these things. you hire more people mm. who are totalitarian in their thinking. So yeah, diversity my balls, right? <laughs> We're onto your balls, and that only took uh, about forty minutes into the show. Great. Uh, so. There's another question uh, from Justin about our view of the independent media, such as the Renegade Report. Will it split into fragmented groups? Uh, well, I don't know how we can get much smaller, Justin. Uh, <laughs> Ramon's going to run a show called Renegade, and I'm going to run a show called Report. Um, but he wants to know if it will be split into fragmented groups or, or if some big players are going to remain, and if ultimately some new big players will emerge buying up small players as a route to audience aggregation. Right. I mean, I think there's a few of us chaps like... Uh, so I think Justin's actually a media expert. So I just need to is. say, and we're not. So, he is. So. What, what is aggregation? I'm not <laughs> um, no, I'm joking. There's a lot of these smaller um, YouTube channels, like Ronaldo Host. He's quite a classically liberal chap, even though it's in DA. Uh, there's Marula Media, owned by AfriForum, I think, who are the biggest Afrikaans website, news website, who are fairly conservative. There's a, you know, I don't know about a few other podcasts that are <clears throat> necessarily right-wing or classically liberal. There's a lot of these small things popping up, but there's no overarching yeah, foundation so, to any of them. I don't think there's an appetite to start like a, a, a right-wing media company. I don't see the appetite for that. Apparently, some of the Afrikaans media is and caters well, and they do quite well. But to a niche group of people. To a niche group of people, And yes. what we're really trying to do is get to the larger audience of everyone, if possible. Okay, well, I mean, if you we, – we reach thousands of people every week, yes. We were not like some monolith by any means. Yeah. Um, so, well, yeah. I mean, I think we would both, you know, like to see the show grow from, you know – the thousands to tens of thousands to sure. to uh, to the to hundreds and, and then millions. That would be great. Well, we're in the tens of thousands for for each yeah, month. Yeah, so we're getting there. Yeah, not bad for eighteen months. Yeah, we we're, we're doing okay. I, I, do I think that there are going to be any big players? Yeah, I think if if there's shown to be a market, which oh. for example the Renegade Report is showing, hopefully us. Uh, yeah, we would like to be the tip of that spear. And I think there will be lots of other shows to follow. Look, you know, we do reference the U.S. a fair amount. We listen to a lot of the commentators in, in the U.S. If you look at what's happened with their media, that's kind of exactly the progression it took. Uh, three years ago, there were very few uh, independent, more right-leaning media in the U.S. And in the last two to three years – they lead pretty much everything. They lead YouTube. They lead podcasts on iTunes. Yeah, every every like so-called alternative media space, they do it. It's weird in the US. The TV is like lefty. Yeah, radio has always been righty for some reason, or right wing for some reason. Rush Limbaugh gets like twenty million people a yeah. day listening yeah. to him. Right, CNN gets 
200,000 people. But that's the, that's the paradigm. And then Ben Shapiro is the number five podcast in the whole country. No, number two podcast. He's number two sorry. behind Oprah. <laughs> and it's a shame for Ben. Guys, <laughs> if you do listen to Ben, leave him a review and, and, and subscribe to his show because, I mean, he's behind Oprah. Yeah, Shane, yeah, and that's gets, the meaning. He only gets half a million downloads every week, but come on, he needs our support. He does need some help. Just give, give, give Ben a step up. But I, I, as, I think it's fairly obvious. I fully support alternative media. I mean, I don't actually read any what's called mainstream stuff. Not even Daily Maverick anymore, if I'm honest. No, I'm actually far less interested in in the news than ever before. I listen to podcasts. And yeah, that's it. Uh, look, I read some stuff here and there, but uh, a lot of it's very boring, and and a lot of the reporting is also very boring. It's just it's it's well, it's not interesting, and if. If, I mean, if I have to be honest, I wish there would be many more podcasts that would compete against us. Well, I, it would be really great, great to have competition in the space. Absolutely. Like friendly competition, yeah. Yeah. All right. So a couple of questions around the podcast. Mark asks, are there any shows you'd want to do a follow-up on uh, and when are you planning on it? Uh, oh, Jordan Peterson, without a doubt, I'd love to have him back on. I would love to have him back on. Hunter Martz is apparently coming to the country yeah. for some random reason. I think he's meeting a lady. He might be. Yeah. Don't tell anyone. Okay. Uh, so, so he's in October, so we might do it when he's not on cocaine. It would be very nice to, <laughs> to share and speak. Hunter, uh, Hunter, yeah, we have, we have to pad a few more of these walls in the studio because Hunter literally bounces off them. But uh, perhaps Hunter, uh, look, those are the international Gad. I, I have Gad on any time. I think he's a really interesting guy. Yeah, Gad's been on everything um, the past two months though. So, yeah. But Hunter. he is able to vary in what he discusses. His latest show with, with Ruben was, was interesting. He went into consumer stuff and you oh, know, right. his, his research and, and what he really knows. I, I read his book. It's um, quite interesting. I, I would love to get Helen Zilla back. Yeah. To talk about like in a real. More, I want Helen when she's not part of the DA. I want Helen when she's f- fighting against us. That would be great. I would love to have like a head to head, like straightforward conversation. Like, Helen won't fight us. She would fight us. On what? On like religion. <laughs> I think. <laughs> nah. I don't think so. So we, we haven't even thought about inviting guests back. I mean, if I'm really honest with you, the, the scheduling of the podcast is more haphazard than you would think. Yeah, all right. So, should we get on to that a little bit? Uh, okay. Someone, Jamie wants to know how you guys take a break from the craziness. How do you stop the lunacy creeping into your home life? And Yaku at the same time uh, asked, what to, what do we talk about at home? Don't you get tired of talking politics all the time as it just went on the show? So, my wife has no interest. When I say no interest, like none. Like absolutely no interest in talking about almost all of this stuff. Yeah, same um, She – so, I will spend an hour talking – a pining on a half of this shit and she'll go, no, those, these Antifa people are just morons. And that'll be the end of the comment. Like that's the end of the conversation. She's done. Uh, so I, politics at home, not really. Oh Jesus. No, not, not even once. Um, sometimes I do rant about like people on Twitter calling me like stupid names. I'm like, oh, Sophia, can you believe these people? I mean, I wish they would speak to you and see like, I'm not this kind of guy. And they're like, and then she says, why do, why do you give a fuck? Like, that's important. Yeah, I don't get the why do you want, I'm like, I get the, why do you even start this shit? <laughs> and I'm like, cause it's fun. No, but the key thing <laughs> is to have, I think having a spouse that is completely apolitical is very important. Yeah, absolutely. I would think and, so. and look, my wife's supportive of, of, she's got very similar views. So I, oh, I, I, do, I do think it's, I do think it's quite useful 
to have someone who she's not exactly the same. So she will challenge me on things, but um, we have a similar view on the world. So that's, that's right. I mean, I mean, mine is just very reasonable with everything. Like I show, <laughs> if I show like a, a video of like a feminist screeching, she's like, what is wrong with this person? Like not, not because it's, it's wrong. It's just the manner. Yeah. The way it's done. It's like, can't you just talk normally like an adult? Um, so yeah, I, I lead a very balanced life. So I feel like not part journalist, but I, I really want to know what goes on in, in politics, whatever, but I don't speak yeah. to, I speak to people who know what goes on. Like France is a good, a good example of that. We speak to, um, I speak, I have political friends who are in politics. Yeah. And if I want to know something, I go to them. Sure. But at home, I was my, with my, Watch family. some, watch some television with my family. Chill uh, out. Well, I play PlayStation maybe like half an hour to an hour a day on purpose just to chill out. <laughs> and then yeah, I just uh, watch TV and damn bro, having a baby is like, yeah, time consuming. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we, we, yeah, we, we don't uh, talk politics all the time and we do chill out quite a bit as best we can. Um, and we're busy as well. We've got other stuff going on, yeah. either our family or our work. And I mean, my work schedule is unfortunately horrific. Uh, so, yeah, which is why we're here at 7 p.m. on a Monday evening. Uh, all right. Uh, we kind of answered Ronald's uh, kind of a repeat question. Any episodes that contribute to, to, cha- to a change in our positions? Maybe that's, that's slightly different. Is there yeah, anything we've I mean, changed? I, mean, I like think one Jordan, guest? Jordan Peterson, it's a cliche, but he's made me rethink my view on religion. And my, and, and he combined religion with Jonathan Haidt, who wrote the, one of the most important books of all time called The Righteous Mind, The Differences Between Conservatives and Liberals. And he melded the two together. So he's really changed my mind. Helen changed my mind about her. I wasn't sure who she was or what she really stood for, but I found a really principled person and a good manager. I don't know if... Yeah, okay, good manager. Yeah. Yeah, but principled. Yeah, but I mean, I learned from every guest. It's difficult after yeah. 80 episodes to I've, say. So, yeah, it, it is difficult. I've learned, uh, I, I don't know that they've changed my position, but they've made me understand my position a lot better as all the economists we've had. Yes. Uh, have, have really made me understand those principles a lot better. So people like Chris Becker, people like Russell and Bertie, Chris Hart at the beginning. Yeah, uh, um, Pete LaRue. Pete LaRue. Uh, th- those kinds of people um, have made me understand those concepts um, quite well and, and a lot better. Uh, question from Patreon, uh, from Liquido. Uh, any chance of a Paul Joseph Watson interview? I don't like Paul Joseph Watson. I do, actually. So, do you? so you don't. I do. I don't, I don't um, dislike him. I, he's I he's shouty. He's not whiny. Not shouty, whiny. He's whiny, and I find his arguments lacking in substance. Do you? I do. One of them. He like just points out hypocrisy of the left. Okay. One next thing you can point out genocide of the Nazis. Like, okay. That's what they fucking do. They're just hypocritical and they always lie. It's not difficult. That's all. Yeah. Uh, so firstly, um, very unlikely we'll ever have an interview with Paul because, um, I, I don't think it's true that he lives in his, in his mom's basement, but like the guy really doesn't seem to want to like connect very much with people. No. Uh, so he, 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 he does, you know, spend time on, on, um, Alex Jones's show because he's part of InfoWars. Uh, but he's very hard to get hold of. He, uh, pretty much turns everyone who asks him for an interview down or ignores you. 
so yeah, if if it's a possibility in future, we but would we'd, we'd, we'd have just, him on. I just don't think he's that interesting. Yeah, I, I don't think he will give value to the show in any way. He'll just confirm what we think about social justice warriors, and he will defend the alternate, alternate alt right, which you know post memes of 4chan, and that's it. Like you can't film now with that. That's all. <laughs> For so, me, do, yeah. Same with Lawrence Southern. Same with the people who've come up recently. It's they're, they're boring. Tommy Larry, even Milo. He's like he's boring. Well, there's certain people you know what they're going to say. It's it's yeah. it's uh, they they do get tired to at a point. And it's all politics too. Yeah. So, yeah, you guys need to tell us: Are you getting tired of the politics? Because if you're getting tired, we we're happy to change tack a little bit. We are going to have some shows coming up, which are going to be a bit more business focused and uh, looking at some other things. So right, and and I'm not trying to be a Joe Rogan podcast, but it's. Very difficult to just have a chat with someone you don't know for an hour and a half or an hour. It's so difficult. Well, that's why Joe Rogan gets them high. I mean, that's exactly the reason. Maybe he gets them to chill out and then they say things that they shouldn't say. Uh, as a doctor, what would your profession change if we had a single-payer system? Uh, okay, well, how would my profession change? Um, I think we've basically discussed this before. I think uh, socialized healthcare is 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 horrific. Um, yes, there are some countries that get it sort of half right. That's only because they've got enough funding to kind of keep it at an acceptable level. South Africa does not have enough funding to do that. Uh, if we went to what is now being called single payer, which I hate, I don't understand why it's called single payer. Um, Instead of? What well, was it called before? Well, well, this is the new terminology the Americans are using, right? For their, okay. for their, they, they want to move away from their current system and they want to go to a single payer system, which would uh, be that the single payer is the state. Right. So right. You, you pay taxes and then the state pays for you. It's, it's the single payer, oh, right? What can go socialized on? healthcare. Um, uh, the, the reality is, is, is the government wants to do this in South Africa. I've stated it before. The NHR is the plan to do exactly what you're talking about. If it goes through and, Unfortunately, with the ANC, they tend to push uh, square pegs through round holes. Uh, the healthcare system will collapse, and we will probably lose a large percentage of our doctors and skills. Um, not to mention that even if they stayed behind, the healthcare system managed by the government is maybe twenty to thirty percent the efficiency of a healthcare system managed by a private company. Right, and I think it's very important to give a, a contextual context to it if you got if you got um socialized healthcare in a population of five million millionaires yes much easier yeah. in south africa with a tax base of five percent mm. like no I, I also need a, you know the, the biggest problem with healthcare is people assume that if you're sick and then you get admitted to a hospital then your problems have been solved. So in socialized health systems, everyone goes like Cuba is the great example. Canada is another example, right? So the, um, and you can go and get very extreme with the Charlie God example in the UK. Um, the reality is, is people think, okay, I'm sick. I need a doctor or a hospital. They go and they get to see a doctor or a hospital and they assume that that solves their problem. The issue with socialized healthcare is medicine is almost infinite. It's becoming more and more infinite in what we can do and the things we can do. But obviously, the further we go and the more treatments we offer and the more specialized they need to be, the more expensive they become. So the poorer your system is, 
even if you can offer a hospital admission at minimum, admitting you to a hospital into a ward doesn't help you if I can't do certain things for you. So in Cuba, for example, yes, everyone gets the health care, but it's only to a certain level, and that level is actually quite shit. In Canada, because they're rich, yeah, in Canada, because they're richer, that level's a little bit better. But if you need something fancier, you've got to go over the border to the US and you've got to buy it with your own cash, um, to the, to the private market. And at the end of the day, America can go single payer and all that will happen is that private healthcare market will move to Singapore or Hong Kong or somewhere else where there's a proper free market and people will go there for their healthcare, uh, because you cannot, Unless you had infinite funds, which I know the left believes exists, but it doesn't actually, the economics just don't pay for that kind of system. But let's get away from health because I know it bores the hell out of you. Um, some uh, some quick fire because we need to we need to end the show. No you know you know rush. Okay, all right. Well then uh, then then we can we can continue. But uh, does jet fuel melt steel beams? <laughs> does jet fuel melt secret ballot votes? <laughs> Uh, who cares? Uh, I don't believe 9-11 was an inside job. Uh, the Jews did it, man. <laughs> sure. That's they, what I heard. Completely. That's, the it, 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 money. It, it, yeah. And also Israel, you know, something Israel, something evil Jews, evil Jews. Um, what else, what else do we have here? Some crazy stuff. Uh, there was one by Ricky about wanting to build his own podcast. Oh yeah. He was asking how he goes about it. Uh, dude. We have no idea. Yeah, just just do it. Uh, how do That's, we build this podcast? We, we we came to Cliff Central and we said, "Hey, um, can we record a show and will you put it online for us?" And they were like, "Yeah, six episodes, and uh, if if you know if if, you, if it's as bad as we think it's going to be, basically, uh, then you know you'll can it and you'll you'll walk away, lick right. your wounds." I mean, I mean, Gareth. I think it was Gareth Cliff uh, said to us, "Who's going to listen to your show other than like old white people?" And they don't yeah. even know what podcasts are, so we don't see a great. I think it was half joking, half being serious. But um, we don't. We like being in Cliff Central because we get along well with everyone here, and they got the expertise, like to edit and things like that. But you don't need. Yeah, a Cliff Central. Guys, there is. You can download yeah. uh, audio. You can download audio stuff off the web. Um, um, what's Audacity. It called? Audacity. Uh, get a decent mic for yourself. Cost you about a grand. Yeah. Um, plug it into your computer. Uh, just you know. Pick a room. Uh, it can't be too empty because otherwise you're going to get lots of echo. So if you really want to get fancy, get some soundboarding to put on the walls. But it, paintings work just as well. And talk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's as simple as it is. And the biggest problem I found is that there's like hell, like a lot of podcasts have these like long fucking intros, man. And they talk about this and they talk about this. And then, okay, now we're onto the guest. And it's like 10 minutes later. Just go straight into it. And just be interesting. That's the key. Just be interesting and act or act, not act. Yeah, don't act. Feel like you, when people listen, they want to know that you are sort of telling the truth. Yeah, you're real. Yeah, that these are your honest opinions. I think that's helped us a lot. Because we don't mince our, we don't mince, we'll, we're not trying to be contrarian. Yeah, the, we just talk about what we yeah, talk about. Yeah, it's that whole thing. You know, this is my real voice. I, yeah. I don't put on a – there's no renegade report voice. Hello like, and welcome. Yeah, welcome to the show yeah. this week. There's no there's no voice. There's no – there's no. it's not an act. Uh, this is how I talk. When Ramon and I are off air, we talk like this. You speak uh, louder off air. What are you talking about? <laughs> I be, I well, well, that's why my level's low. Yeah. He I vapes a lot um, and gives people like cancer. You know, I mean – it's, it's, so just do it. Uh, look, it can be hard to market, but start with your friends. If your friends dig it, they'll tell their friends about it. Send it to us. If it's good, we'll market it with pleasure. Um, 
And that's, that's for, I mean, we wish that we, there's like 10 more podcasts, as we said earlier, 10 more podcasts with the same ideas, same themes, different guests. Great, man. As long as there are more people listening and more of these ideas are going out, that's all that's necessary, really. Ramon, how does one land a plane at Vatikloof Air Force Base? Ilsa would, Ilsa would like to know. Um, be an Indian immigrant. With billions of dollars. Well, I think landing itself is quite easy. It's quite a long runway. <laughs> yeah, and also autopilot generally helps with that. You know, right. Most of these planes can probably do that themselves. So, so that's quite easy. Oh, but no. you've got to you've got to befriend the president. I mean, I'll just ask my neighbours because they've got to live around the corner from me. Uh, I need to ask them <laughs> how it's done. If if they can arrange it, maybe you can get your plane landing there. You know, no, no, no. I part of that. I don't that use my plane. I use the Oppenheimer plane. Don't you know? <laughs> Haven't you got the Rupert plane this week? I do have the Rupert plane this oh, week. Yeah, okay, um, I actually been using his helicopter this week to get to and from work. Right. I mean, I went on a hunting trip last week and uh, for, by helicopter. It was very nice. Stayed in the. Did I say Oppenheimer? I, I was staying at the Oppenheimer Lodge. I, I forget. You know, we, we do switch them around a, a bit, you know, so they, they, they don't get used to any one of us too much, you know, so we, we can, we can leech off them. Uh, white Monopoly Capital for the win. Uh, what do you think of spraying yourself or having yourself sprayed in the face with doom as a religious practice? I mean, it's not more silly or dangerous than many things the Christians have done, except it's consensual. I've done it myself and can report a nice buzz and the feeling of your soul leaving your body briefly. <laughs> I think it is cruel to take away from people something that is meaning to them. That's from Viv. That's an interesting point. It is an I, interesting I, point. I approve of anyone doing anything to themselves that's not harmful to others. Yeah. So and, go ahead. And she, like she says, with consent, right? So yeah. if you, if you, I mean, I, when I've been to like a Catholic church and they walk around with that, Horrible smelling stuff. What's it? Uh, they in, set half in, the church on fire. Incense um, or something? Yeah, no. well, whatever. No, it's got, got a special name though. I, I am sorry for being an ignorant Jew. Um, <laughs> um, but I, 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 I hate that stuff. Like I can't breathe properly, right? Right. Um, but if people enjoy that and that's their vibe, like, uh, you might to stop them. And I suppose the same argument would go for the doom thing. Uh, doom, there's a lot of, there's a lot of trying to be, or... trying to be sort of mommy and, and nanny. You know, ooh, these 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 poor savages. We should not allow them to be yeah, um, to degrade to degrade like themselves this. and be sprayed in the face with doom. Well, it's, it's uncivilized. They're individuals. They've gone to a religious service, and like you say, if they get get meaning from it, and that's what they want to do. Um, I mean, okay, finding meaning from it is is a bit this way and that way. I mean, people can find meaning from doing various things that are harmful. It depends what the caveat is, right? If you have to skin a goat. Yeah, I think I think, the, I, th from I think one of the one of the areas of concern is okay. You've got a a, a particular religious um, person who's um, conning, so to speak, uh, his his congregation, and he's doing so in what is viewed as something dangerous. So, like doom, a lot of people will assume is you know harmful to health. Okay, right. so that might be an argument, although. Having a bit of doom spray in your face actually isn't really unhealthy. It's not going to affect you in in a very bad way. You'd have to ingest like half the bottle before it you will would, enlighten you before you would have major problems. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. It's an interesting point. Perhaps we should let people do what the hell they want to do. No. Yeah. How dare Random, you? eh? It's just, just a heinous, God, heinous what a thought. Bigot. <laughs> uh, right. I think, uh, I think we've, we've, we've run through them. Um, 
Oh, Matt wants to know about considering you cannot change the core structure of SA. How would you like to see SA leadership? Who would you have as a president? No Minister one. Of finance minister. Of no finance. one. Ramon wants no the government one. to Abolish fall. Abolish the state completely. Yeah. All right. Well, I've I said I would like to have Helen as our benevolent dictator. So that's my current position. I would have Herman as president. Minister of finance. I would have a rotating minister of finance between the five defined economists we've had on the show. Uh, I wouldn't have Minister of Education That's stupid I wouldn't have I mean we would have Like three ministers And a president Really And I don't know What the three ministers Will be Do we even need A finance minister Look Here's the bottom line I would find people Who were actually Who weren't politicians uh, Who were actually Good at those things So if I wanted A a minister of education We would Drain the felt (laughs) Uh, uh, that one might stick. I would have people who are actually good at what they do, uh, and I think I think uh, that would be a start. Are you inferring only white people should be ministers? No. Why? Where was that inference? That's what people will infer because people know what they're doing. It's it's quite ableist of you. Of course, I, I called someone retarded today. He, he he was quite upset. He said I was being ableist, but I wasn't because retarded is a medical term for people with an IQ of less than seventy, and I believe he has an IQ of less than seventy. Right, and I saw that that uh, the commentary back and forth. And he, oh my God, can you believe it? he said there are only two genders? What a bigot! My God, that is retarded. <laughs> There's seventy-two, seventy-one. Currently. Sorry, seventy-one. Get it right. You can't, you mustn't get it wrong. There are 71. Next week, there might be 72 or 94. We, it, we never know. Okay. Honestly, President Herman. Yeah. Mashaba, yeah. No contest. Minister of Finance. Yeah. Rotating basis. Let's say you can't have rotating. You got to pick a guy. Oh, between Chris and Russell. Yeah. I'd pick Russell. Really? Russell. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if Chris would accept Chris Becker, by the way. I don't think he would accept being that. Or Davi Root. I think Davi Root could be a good economist. I mean, Minister of Finance. Uh, who else? Minister of... Minister of Home Affairs. No, fuck. Why Why do we need a Minister of Home Affairs? I would have open you, borders. Uh, so, no, 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 no. We're not having open borders. African um, immigrants are better than local South Africans. Ooh, <laughs> there I said it. Um, but I would... Uh, I'd, I'd probably give that... Uh, Minister of Home, the Home Affairs basically prints passports and IDs, guys. Yeah. Make the banks do that. They're already half doing that. Give them full authority. They have great security protocols and procedures. Uh, it's in their interest to make sure that that's done properly as private organizations. That's it. That's who I would make Minister of Home Affairs, the banks. Right. Um, that would be it. And you won't need IDs. Just have a fingerprint or a retina scan if you need identification. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Anyone else you want to put into the ministry? Um, Fikile would be Minister we'll of keep something. Fikile, hey? I'll keep yeah. him just for shits and giggles. Fikile of like, Minister of like sushi parties and, and I don't know, boxing. Minister <laughs> for men who abuse women, yeah. Well, the ANC could provide many people who do, who would fit that, that role. That is true. Every yeah. second day, someone in the ANC smashed their mom, mm. mommy, what? Sugar mommy. I don't know what you call it. So here's the thing. You get work. You call out white people for being trash. You have a kid out of wedlock, and then you smash the woman against the wall when you can't pay maintenance. Jeez, I mean, if Shaka Zulu was around, he would be quite happy with that, to be honest. Yep. Because Shaka did, like, hit his wife and threw his mother out of the tribe, too. Great. For doing the same thing. So, yeah. Lovely fellow, that guy. He's, he's done a lot wrong in the last year Very and much a half. so. Uh, 
last one that I can find on here. Simon wants to know our thoughts on the SA film industry. I have told Simon we'll bring someone on who actually works in the in the film industry. Um, don't, I know lots of people. Uh, it's my old it's my old uh, hangout, the film industry. Um, but to give you a rough idea, the South African film industry. One of the reasons it, it never really gets off the ground is because we tell shit stories. Um, so people don't believe it or not. There's a reason there's only one like Schindler's List, for example. Okay, yes. it's a good film, but nobody wants to watch that every week, right? So you can make one apartheid movie, but nobody wants to watch that over and over and over again. It's boring and it's depressing. People go to films and watch films as an escape. Um, so one of the reasons is our stories are a bit cuck. Uh, and we are too obsessed with our history. Um, and the other thing is there's a lot of greed. So when I was in the film industry, uh, a lot of the money g- ends up in people's pockets instead of on the screen. To the male or the female porn star? Which one? Well, oh, you know, wrong, we, wrong we, we were, no, oh, no, look, I'm, I'm open to porn. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, but there, there's a lot of uh, that kind of stuff that goes on, and we, we're very underfunded in our films. The truth is, is a, an expensive South African feature film uh, is going to get well. I mean, let's take Leon Schuster out of it because Leon Schuster makes films for about thirty million rand, uh, and he makes double to triple that. He did. He used to when he was allowed to do yeah, blackface. Right now, he's not allowed to do blackface anymore, so he hasn't made a movie. But um, every other sort of filmmaker you've never heard of that makes a South African movie is doing that for five million rand or less. On average, about 2 million rand. Uh, a cheap American film, an independent, cheap American film is $10 million. So, and we use the same equipment as them. You've kind of got to do the movie in the same kind of way. Uh, so you can see that you're competing against 100 million rand versus 2 million rand. It's really, really difficult to actually make quality film uh, on that kind of budget. And then marketing yeah, I think You've that's the problem. Left. I think there could be, I think there, there might be quite a few good films that just don't get marketed, right? The best film, South African film, personally, hmm. maybe by Craig Freeman, who's quite a well-known director, Friedman. He did material. Oh, okay. And then this, this new doozy, but he, one of his first films was called Gums and Noses. It's about cocaine in the advertising industry. Fantastic. Yeah, so, I don't really have many favorite South African films. I, I Mr. Bones, dude. Don't you like Mr. Bones? No, I don't like, I don't like any of that shit. Um, yeah, I, I think South African talent has shown that they can do great things when they're given the resources. Uh, District 9 is a good example. Um, but, but, uh, and our advertising industry is another good example. So our advertising industry is well funded. Um, the, the, you, they're at an international level in terms of the funding that gets given. In fact, a lot of our uh, advertising agencies in South Africa do international work. Uh, and so you can see the quality that comes out of that. I don't think our advertising industry is as good as they used to be, but certainly through the 90s and into the early 2000s, you know, we had one of the best um, advertising industries in terms of film production. We had, we had one of the best industries in the world. Uh, and so you can see the talent if the money's there, but if if the money's not there and the will's not there, unfortunately, say la vie. You get Isidingo. Yeah, and amongst other problems. And A and Seven. Yes, <laughs> and A and Seven. When you throw when you throw money at a at a, at a Gupta problem, right? Should we call it? Is it all right? Um, so that's all for. Today, so on Thursday, for those who are coming, we will see you at the venue. venue. 
which is the venue, with our, pro- excuse me, with our France Crimea presentation. And it's going to be an awesome, awesome evening. You'll see both of us, believe it or not, and France, and I think you'll get a lot of value from it. So other than that, next week, no business. No, I mean, fuck, no politics. Yeah, no, we'll talk. We well, got, a little bit of politics. We've got Mike Stopforth coming by. I think it's important for people to know that. Uh, who is, I don't know what he does, like marketing. I'm going to, I'm just going to quote Bill Hicks. Are you in marketing? Well, social media and Are you in marketing? A lot of stuff. If you are, go kill yourself. No, no, <laughs> there's not a joke. No, literally, you are Satan's spawn. Go kill yourself. Ah, oh, Ramon. Right. Thank you for listening to the show. Can I cut you off now? Well, okay. Bye, dear listeners. Uh, support us on Patreon if you want to, and I'll see you next week. Right. That's Ramon. I think we gave you enough at the beginning of the show in terms of where to find us. Obviously on Twitter at Twitter at, and, and at renegade underscore report. Ramon is at Roman Kabanak. I'm Jonathan Witt at Jonathan underscore Witt. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Cheers. This is cliffcentral.com.